welcome back to our Change Cultivators listeners with Ros and Boy. Today we're launching our new mini-series program and my first guest up in our Season 3 mini-series is Neil Patel, CEO of Kabuni, a soon-to-be-launching immersive uh, 3D uh, platform focused on health and well-being. Neil, wonderful to have you on the show with us. Thank you, Ros, and a pleasure to, to be on the show. Great. So, Neil, tell our listeners, and Neil's a very, very interesting entrepreneur and has operated across a number of, of startup spaces. His recent one, which is will be launching this year, is, as I mentioned, Kabuni, and it is in the VR immersive space. So, very, very exciting shift from a 2D to a 3D world. Neil, tell our listeners a little bit about your journey as, as a person and an entrepreneur, where you started and, and how you've landed up in uh, the space of VR with the, with the imminent launch of the, of the platform. Yes, Roz, and it's been one hell of a journey, but I'm 46, married, four kids. I have lived in Canada and in England. My journey as an entrepreneur started in my 20s in the real estate slash estate agent business, depending on which market I'm talking to, those two words are slightly different, and ultimately built a single operating branch, buying, selling, renting homes into a franchise, ultimately sold the franchise uh, to one of my franchisees, and then transitioned into technology and have taken two companies public on the Australian and the Canadian stock exchange and have played in technology in the last 15 years. And that journey has been one of good, bad and ugly. I've seen successes i've seen a spectacular failure in 2008 where they would say i lost everything apart from my family and have bounced back from that moment to to build the business back up so a journey that i would say that has come with the good bad and ugly and, and one that i've learned a lot across the world Yes, and in your in the Kabuni brand, it's focused on unlocking the design potential in every human being. And I think, given your journey, you know what it is to to tap into to your potential as a person. So, why unlocking the design potential in every human being? Well, that started five years ago. I left a conference in San Francisco that Peter Diamandis uh, was hosting on part of the Singularity. Uh, brand that he is part of. And I, I walked out of that with a profound sense of uh, feeling and wrote down, unlock the design potential in every human being on a yellow sticky note, which is still actually sitting on my Mac Air that I'm speaking to you from. And that five-year journey took me across the landscape of exponential technology, where I invested and explored in AI, robotics, 3D printing, sensors, immersive, even looked at the future of quantum. And ultimately, my first year of that, that sticky note, when I would open my laptop, sit in a room with someone and they would read it out, I would embarrassingly say, I, it feels good, but I don't know what it actually means. But now that journey has taken me to a really very clear place of, you know, Kabuni's entire engine is built around unlock the design potential in every human being. We execute that by leveraging exponential technology. In this case, we're talking about immersive tech in AR and VR. 
and we ultimately measure the output of that experience every single time with our user by measuring it through science and data. And that is the centerpiece of every decision, every resource that we will invest in bringing uh, that lofty goal to reality and, and leaving a legacy. Mm, mm. And yeah, so, you know, we talk about AR and VR, and I think it's still quite a foreign concept to, to a lot of people. You know, it's still very new. You and I have spoken about we, we live in a 2D world, and now we're obviously moving into a 3D world. What are the biggest changes you are seeing in the tech space right now? You know, what's driving these changes? Why, you know, is the, this 3D immersive world, you know, suddenly of, of interest to everybody? I think there are a number of macro issues that we are going to now see massive adoption across all technologies, exponential technologies. But zooming on the, the immersive side of fronts, you know, this pandemic unfortunately has shown us that one of a 2D experience is emotionally limited to really connecting in, in the physical world as we've been used to. So our habits have aggressively changed and our expectation of a digital experience will therefore change because of the frustration that, that, that we had. And just before we were having this conversation, I think Gareth was joking about us being a tech company and playing it safe from an audio-video perspective. So one is the macro effect of the, the pandemic has changed habits forever. The other overriding factor that we're going to see immersive tech go mainstream is two things, chips. So the fact that you can process more on a smaller chip to compute faster and converge that with 5G technology. It's really going back to 1995 or even thereafter shortly where Hastings, the CEO founder of Netflix, was in the Blockbuster boardroom offering to sell his company for a million pounds or partner with Blockbuster to stream music. And the famously, the CEO at the time said it would never work because of the speed of internet. The convergence of 5G and chips and, and macro effects of a, a COVID, you put all that together, the application of immersive technology is that new frontier that we can move into a heightened multi-sensory experience that the physical world we crave for, but not everybody can chase. And that's why we will now see what most in the industry describe as the, the metaverse, and, and we call it the universe in our world. But 3D experiences are now on the verge of, of mass adoption through various use cases. Yeah, and when you we talk about 3D, I think the natural inclination is for people to think about gaming. And now I know, you know, Kabuni isn't in the gaming space and, and you've specifically decided not to take that route. And so this is a big mind shift for people in the market. So, you know, I want to talk a little bit about you as a person, how you bring your teams along this journey. But I think for the external market, where Kabuni's pitching itself is a huge mind shift for the for the industry, for consumers. So, you know, you say VR, you say 3D, people are automatically going to go, oh, I get that, that's gaming. But you're not playing in the gaming space. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about Kabuni and what space you're playing in and, you know, elevating, you know, unlocking the design potential in every human being? What does that look like? Yeah, you know, internally I describe to to our stakeholders today that we're the world's first non-gaming immersive platform and and what i mean by that 
is we chose to design our content strategy around six content pillars specifically designed to keep true to our, our engine of unlock the design potential in every human being. The minute we started to really ask the, the big questions on how do we scale something with equal vigor on pro profit and impact, and I don't mean by impact in the sense of philanthropy just giving money away, going back to that notion, I don't know how you feel when you put our headset on or experience our brand, but I know that we'll leave you in a better place. The natural place that we converged to was looking at lifestyle applications and looking at things in health, arts, music, sports, education, and adventure, and really building applications that would materially have an impact on you experiencing our brand and that we could measure. So ultimately, we landed in the non-gaming because by design, if we went down gaming, I didn't believe we could stay true to, to our why and deliver that, that potential of unlocking the user. And once we really distinguished ourselves from our why being X and where does the opportunity lie for us to build a profitable business, that's how we designed our six content pillars. And we will be positioning ourselves effectively um, as the world's first non-gaming immersive platform and delivering use cases around the six content pillars I've described, but something that will actually make you smile and actually slowly change your life the better habits that we help you create. Yeah. So for our listeners, Kabuni is, if you could imagine, a Netflix subscription service, but in the 3D immersive space across the six content pillars Neil mentioned. And with your subscription, you get the hardware. So your immersive headset, your controllers, and, and Neil, the um, experiences are all 20-minute experiences, right? So whether you're going to do an immersive yoga experience or a, I know Kabuni's very involved with health, working with a number of key partners, entertainment, et cetera, but they're all short experiences, right? Every single one. Yeah. Yeah, yes, Roz. It's, it's, we'd call them field trips internally. So it's at 30 minutes or less. And each experience allows you to enjoy an immersive experience across our platform. Yeah. And, and Kabuni is also launching the world's first children's headset. Now, that's a, a shift in the, in the market because, you know, obviously with parents and concerns around and technology and all that sort of thing, why the focus on children? There is, when we looked at, you know, building our differentiators and, and how do we not just have an idealistic vision, but how do we actually build an economic engine around that? We quickly realized in our discovery that nobody had aimed at the children's market. And specifically for us, we looked at the ages of eight to 15. And then we started to realize that the reason that hadn't happened is because gaming was essentially where the focus had been. And there are some unfounded scientific issues around putting a child in an immersive headset too long, which effectively could be dangerous. So when we looked at our business model, we effectively weren't a gaming engine. It was about 30 minutes or less experiences. And we went down education because if you look at through this pandemic and any one of your listeners who have children today, have seen how limited a 2D education remote experience is. And in our immersive headset, you can give a child a 30-minute experience to any subject matter 
in full 3D immersive experience. And they'll also retain much greater of that experience to accelerate their learning. And that was the reason we went down looking at two headsets for children and then young adults and adults and heavily focusing our children's headset around education and delivering a better learning experience and complementing the current structures of, of education. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, you guys, you know, Kabuni's working with some amazing brands in the education space, travel space, and I think it is a shift, you know, it's a shift for, you know, COVID has brought in a shift for so many of us, you know, how we educate our kids, you know, homeschooling, there's, there's the debate of, you know, once everything you know, COVID's calmed down. Will kids actually want to go back to school again? You know, will they want to actually physically go sit in a in a in a classroom? And also businesses. You know, I'm speaking to people all the time saying, I don't know whether we, you know, we've we've you know closed our lease off for the you know the rental of our our offices, and I don't know whether we'll take them up again. You know, this remote working's been great, and it's it's working well. And I think Kabuni is just in such an exciting place there, really. You know, it's all, all about timing, you know, to come into the market with um, the breadth of, of, you know, offerings that the, the platform has across, you know, business, entertainment, well-being, all that sort of thing. So I want to just zone in now on what makes you tick as a person and how you bring your teams along. Because obviously you have thought way ahead of the market. You know, you're already using terms like the metaverse, I'm sure, 1% of our listeners have even heard the term metaverse. So as an entrepreneur, you're always thinking ahead. You've got to be ahead, you know, in, in terms of carving out new categories in the market. What techniques or principles uh, do you apply to your leadership style to make sure that you're always ahead of the game of change? Because, you know, if we break it down, we are always changing. I mean, you wake up in the morning, you do a refresh on your, your iPhone, you know, your phone has changed. You, we, we are surrounded by change constantly. But if you, as an entrepreneur, need to, I mean, that's the whole world you live in. It's just permanent change and readjustment. Like, how do you manage yourself to keep ahead of the game in your thinking? Yeah, it's a great question, Roz, that has multiple answers, so I'll do my best to keep it focused and narrow. But one thing I, I tell your listeners is I've grown into becoming a better leader every decade. And whether you're an entrepreneur or, or a leader of a team as an intrapreneur, I think for me the same message is clear that, that you've got to, who I was in my 20s, 30s, 40s, now has made me, I believe, a better leader to, to lead organizations and, and lead teams. In terms of your question of, of how do I bring somebody along, you know, the, the joke is I'm living in 2030 most of the time and I'm building something in 2021. And how do you bridge that gap of me living there and, and reality is we're living here? My personal experience of the past kind of 18 months, two years of Unlock the Design Potential in Every Human Being and, and bringing people along is really knowing my why and my values. I think as a leader, you have to not just believe, you have to over-communicate why we're doing it. You then have to um, communicate what values and principles we will and won't compromise in order to achieve that why. And that is something that, 
some people magically find really quickly. And for me, it's something that I've had to go through ups and downs, wins and losses, successes and failures to really be crystal clear on who I am, why I'm building this team, and then empowering the team who believe in that why and that vision in, in getting to the place that I'm already there in my head. And we all develop and change as individuals at different times of our life. But the key thing is, is continuously developing myself, learning, listening and understanding who I am and, and then growing for there. So, you know, to really bring people along to something that is very difficult to physically touch or see because we are defining a completely new category. To do that, you have to, as a leader, really crystallize the why and the emotion in that why and then the values that you're going to build that principle around. Yeah. Yeah, and I think for someone like you who's an entrepreneur, this is, you know, your natural state that you operate in. You know, it's thinking ahead, it's that vision, it's knowing where you're going. But, you know, there's often, and and you like that state of change and progress, but I think, you know, there's, there's two types of people, you know, one type of person who loves the change, the uncertainty, the fast-paced environment, but then you also have people who hate it, they fear it, you know. And they go, it's not predictable enough for me. I don't understand. And, and it's the unknown that frightens people. What do you think it is that that separates those groups of people? Because you can't have a company with one group of people only. You're always going to have both types of people in a business. So, you know, as a leader, do you find you attract you know, are you like, I, I appreciate that I'm going to have both types of people in the company and I've got to deal with them differently because it's different things that make them tick? Or do you feel like, you know, I only want to attract those people that are willing to jump in the fire and go for it with with the future being somewhat intangible? Yeah, Roz, it's another great question. I define those two characters character types of people into two buckets you're either a builder or a runner and very few live between the two well so in the early days of of building an organization i would look for more runners and as the the, the organization is maturing you sorry more builders and then you nurture that towards a balance of of people that run the company and people that can build the company to your point they're both critically important and i think as a team not just as a founder but the, the leadership of that team the founding team that's putting that that organization together and scaling it especially in 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 disruption or designing new category you know different principles apply to when you're copying a business model and you're slightly improving it but in the world that i live where i've constantly thrived to look at new ways of bringing businesses to life the one thing i would say is really be clear and know what type of person likes to run things and what type of person likes to build things. And my experience has been the builder type of person thrives in a changing environment, really excels, brings it on, doesn't phase them. And the person that, that wants to run things are more of the people that actually can take that chaos, organize it and make the ship run much more better than the builder can. But you need both. You need both sets of skills at the table. It's a case of just picking the percentage game as you're going from idea to actually delivering profits and that yeah. change. 
Yeah, and I suppose it's about what I'm hearing is, you know, making sure people are in their flow, you know, not force fitting them into to a role, but actually looking at what somebody's good at and fostering that and then figuring out, you know, does it fit in with with your need as a as a leader in the company, which is fantastic. And, you know, what is your view or technique on how individuals or organizations need to be changing their thinking to me to be more intentional about change? Because you know, change cultivators, we often talk about change as a culture, you know, and and it really is a way of life now versus it being an event. Because I think a lot of people still treat change like it's an event versus it actually just being this is how we live now. You know, we are all we 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 in a world where we've got our fingers on every bit of technology we we want and need. You know, the globe has shrunk. We're dealing with people all over the globe. We have pandemics, you know, all these things are, are never going to stop. So what what would you, you know, what what advice would you give our listeners about being intentional about shaping your thinking towards change? I would there's a there's a I can't remember what book, but I will try and recite some of that book after I've given you my answer, Roz. I ultimately think innovation in an organization no longer is a luxury. It's it's a complete necessity. This next decade, every human brain that we can put towards solving some of the biggest problems that we're facing as an industry, as a government, and as education pillars needs everyone thinking as innovators. So my my first message would be that is the culture in the organization empowering everyone to think about a better way of doing things? And it doesn't matter what role you're at, I believe every human being has a chance to leave a legacy if they're empowered to do that and and to keep a safe and and create a safe environment to do that. That's easier said than done, but I would encourage every company to ask themselves the, the following, how can we do something faster, better and cheaper? And how do we disrupt ourselves? And as long as there's a framework for that level of thinking to happen and be encouraged, your organization can create that change, that culture of change in a safe environment where everybody thrives. And the exact book, I can't remember, and I might be slightly off, but I think that people will, the guts of this will come across fairly clear. Uh, JFK once went up to the janitor who was sweeping the floor just about when man was going to go to the moon and said, you've made a huge difference. And the guy said, no, I'm just sleep sweeping the floor. And the moral of the story is sweeping the floor at that time was so important because any fragment that could have got off on the blast of the, the, the ship, the spaceship going up could have lost lives. So the moral of my point there is everybody has a role to play in an organization's innovation. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's not confined to certain departments, no. right? And I think Duncan Wardle, who uh, is the ex- head of innovation at Disney, came on the show. And I just love, you know, with my communications background, you know, we spoke to Duncan a lot about change having to be a culture. You know, it cannot sit with the marketing or the innovation department. Like if the business is not moving forward together with everyone having the same vision, and as you say, Everybody understanding the why, you know, always going back to what are we here for? Why, you know, if it doesn't fit in with our business, why are we spending 
time on it. And it really is. It's from, you know, your tech team to procurement, to legal, to the CEO. It's like, does everybody have the same vision? So what's exciting about that is we're de-siloing organizations. You know, you don't have these individuals that are sitting in their different departments. Actually, it's one team working together you know, with yeah. that why, which is which is beautiful. And, and there are and there are great examples of that, you know, sending man to the moon, right? Like that's a huge why and crystal clear that's the ultimate goal. In in for me as as you know a leader in, in this organization, the number one question I think I'll always ask anyone around the world, whether it's internal or external partners, is how are we unlocking the design potential of our user? If that answer is crystallized, then our resource time energy is going in the right place. So the one thing I, I would encourage companies to look for is whys don't have to be moonshots, but your why has to be crystal clear to why everybody's making that energy and effort towards a goal. Yeah, to keep everyone focused and, and staying true to, to what you're here for, right? So, Neil, I want to ask you a personal question now as we start to wrap up. What is the one thing in your life or career that has helped you be better at leading through or navigating change? Is there an event in your life that you went from that day forward, I really looked at the world differently? Yeah, I, th- I think for me, but even a lot of leaders, I've had the chance to, to have a vulnerable conversation with There's a common theme. For me personally, the live events, life events, you know, I had a golden touch until 2008 where overnight external macro events drove my business to the ground and and I had to uh, rebuild my life with a pregnant you know wife and two kids in tow even prior to that my two twins were born 3 months premature and the doctor said they had a 30% chance chance of survival I think when you're humbled in life as you're growing smarter you start to become a better human being. I, I don't categorize it as I can't be a better leader if I'm not a better person. So, you know, like a, a computer chip, I, I get better as I learn where my strengths and weaknesses are, but they come from humbling situations to, to make you realize that the perspective that you had pre that event radically changes. And then going on, you know, seeing Nina who's my wife, be a mom and somebody who's pursued a career and how does that get balanced uh, with four children under the age of four? So, you know, there is no short answer, but I would say my ability to be a better human being has directly come from events in my life as I've grown up that have, have shaped my thinking going forward. Yeah, yeah. And thanks for that, you know, very humbling answer. I think, you know, all of us need... Reminders, or I think life just reminds us sometimes, you know, we, we're not always the, the best and at the top of our game and we don't always know everything. And I think if you take those moments in life to really reflect and learn and grow, you know, as you say, as a person, you know, you bring that into your, your ecosystems at work and your friends and, and you know, you, you contribute more. So, again, also with a lot of our guests that, that I think with COVID, you know, a lot of people have spoken about just really getting back to being humble and real, you know, in, in how you're doing things. So that's amazing. 
Thank you very much, Neil. I think it's been an awesome chat. I wanted to just close off. I know you're a big reader and you and I have exchanged some some wonderful concepts on, on books, you know, over the last few months. Is there a book or a podcast or publication that you would recommend to someone who's trying to be better at dealing with and activating change? Yeah, I would. I've read hundreds of books, but if there was one that you said pick, it would be Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Very old book, but it was the the book I still vividly remember, first read in 2008. And the genesis for me was this whole manifestation of, of something you truly believe in that ultimately happens if you keep making the right decisions towards that goal, no matter how impossible it may may be. And and in chapter two, Napoleon Hill talked about his son. Doctors said he'll never, never, he's going to be deaf, deaf for the rest of his life. And Napoleon Hill every day used to talk, whisper to his son because he didn't believe it. And by some miracle, his son actually started to hear and it was not just the one of the stories, but the one that I always remember that, that 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 tells me that, you know, if you want to create change and you believe in something that much, vocalize your imagination to the world. And believe it or not, since 2008, that magic has, has played out in my life for sure. Oh, amazing. That's so stunning. Neil, thank you so much for coming on the the show today. For those of you that want to find out more about Kabuni, you can find the business at kabuni.com and the company will be launching publicly globally in Q4 of this year. So keep that name on your radar. And there's some wonderful groundbreaking category creating new things coming coming our way. So I'm very, very excited for that, Neil, and just wonderful to have you have you with us today. Thanks for having me on the show.